Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So welcome to another Squawk 7000 and we're here at an airfield, a couple of quiet aeroplanes parked beside us and Mark Dwyer is with me as well. Mark, we were uh, talking just before we decided to record here about this week's topic and it's, it's an interesting one. It's called skill fade. What does that actually mean? Uh, well, basically, um, it's when, you know, if you don't use your skills, they tend to fade over time. So if you think about driving a car, you go away on holidays, you haven't dro- uh, driven for a couple of weeks and you, know, you get back in your car and, you know, <laughs> you have trouble with the clutch or something like that. Same thing with an airplane. And if you think about how little um, we fly, uh, I think an average PPM might do 12, 15, 20 hours per year. Uh, that's not a huge amount of flying for the amount of skills that are there. So if you don't use your skills over time, they will degrade. And uh, I think we've seen over the past um, two years with COVID that there has been elements uh, of skill fade out there where we've seen an increase in accident levels, uh, particularly in the landing phase. Yeah, we'll talk about that specifically because, uh, as you say, main, the landing phase seems to be the one that's, uh, that's catching people out. So we're talking about two kinds of pilots, I suppose, really, in this particular episode. The ones who are part of a club, where at least there'll be some level of monitoring, I presume, goes on in terms of people's currency. And then there's the people who own their own aircraft or are flying a group. Yeah, absolutely. So in most organisations, there will be an element of oversight, uh, whether that's you know regulatory or the clubs themselves have decided to do some oversight. Maybe it's worth taking a look at the legal definition uh, to start with. So um, in order to carry passengers in a single engine piston aircraft, uh, you need to do at least three takeoffs and landings within the previous 90 days. Um, if you go outside of that, then you've got a couple of options. Uh, you either fly on your own and do the three takeoffs and landings on your own, uh, or you can fly with an instructor and do the three takeoffs and landings with an instructor. And that's obviously the route that I would recommend because if you haven't flown um, in 90 days or three landings in 90 days, then, you know, by definition, you are rusty. And if you're rusty, then you're you're more likely to have an incident or an accident. And if you put your instructor's hat on uh, around this too, because look, I was flying today and I got out and I got to, I think, about nine landings altogether, takeoff and landing in the circuit. But I still forgot something on one of them. And that's even with the level of currency there is a nice situation where you'll sometimes forget something. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I don't think I've ever done a perfect flight. I don't think a perfect flight has ever been done by anybody mm-hmm. because there's always going to be a little mistake. And, and that calls into, uh, falls into something called threat and error management, which you may have heard of. And, and the, the E in that, the error management, we all make errors and 
Um, it's how we capture them and how we deal with them is the important bit. So in most cases, you know, we might use a checklist. If we've good checklist discipline, we can say we forget to turn on a fuel pump. We do our checklist, we catch it in the, in the checklist, and then we move on from there. If you're not current, you have a tendency to make more mistakes and you end up behind the aircraft and you may even forget to do the checklist. And now suddenly the error is not captured and it will kind of snowball into into an incident or an accident and, and we're all aware of the Swiss cheese model mm-hmm. and accidents don't happen in isolation they, there's always lots of different things line, line up for example if you forget a car heat or if you get a fuel pump and something else happens and something else happens and then suddenly all these things line up and have an incident mm-hmm. or an accident so it's very common to forget things but if you haven't practiced a skill uh, over time then yes it will um, cause an issue and catch up with you. So this is the prevent, trap, mitigate rule, I think, isn't it, that, that they use in CRM. So you prevent it happening in the first place, what, skill and knowledge, yep. trap it with the checklist, yep. and then the mitigation part. Yeah, so there's, there's various different ways to look at it. Practice is probably the key thing. So if, if you are unlucky enough that something happens, then, you know, how do we manage it? So, for example, you know, we talk about three takeoffs and landings, and landing is probably the most challenging phase of the approach or of the flight. Even mm. the workload is high, and if there's a something's going to happen, it's likely going to happen at that stage. We need to approach the way we do re- recurrency training or refresher training uh, in a different way. For a lot of us or a lot of people in the past, you just want to jump in an airplane, fly for an hour, and get the uh, get the sign off in the logbook and get your license endorsed. Uh, really, we should be looking at this as an opportunity to to learn something new or to refresh old skills. So, just getting airborne and flying around in a circle for an hour is not really going to benefit you. You can do that yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you want to be doing something that uh, will benefit you, and that you know the stuff that we don't do on a regular basis: engine failures after takeoff, engine failures, you know, out in the open country. Mm-hmm side uh, approach the soil recovery steep turns and you know the argument is there that oh well you know what's the use of practicing stalls at high altitude but you still need to practice these things because um, you still need the muscle memory so if it does happen that you can recover from it in a timely way but uh, as we talked about uh, trapping errors and you know threat and error management it's anticipating the issue before it happens so if you go up and you practice approach to stall recovery in your aircraft um, hopefully you'll recognize those symptoms in advance before they actually happen and um, uh, again it's trapping that before it becomes an incident or an accident. What's the value of a, a takeoff brief in a small airplane? I think it's so useful um, you it's like everything it's like being being current so mm. if you've just spoken through you've talked through and even if i'm flying on my own i'll talk through it mm. uh, out loud you know if the engine fails on the runway i'm going to close the throttle and stop the aircraft and <clears throat> we see with some of the more modern engines like a, a rotex or something like that that mm. you know they've got um throttle springs on them so that even if it coughs and splutters if you don't close the throttle it's going to open back up again and you will be halfway through a rejected takeoff and suddenly the throttle throttle goes to full power on you so things like that can happen but if you talk through it uh, you're much more likely uh, and the science is out there to back this up that you're much more likely to to come out with a successful outcome at the end Mm -hmm. of it because Mm -hmm. if you've just spoken about lowering the nose picking a field 30 degrees either side of the center line uh, it means that you're much more likely to do it if you didn't do that and you didn't practice a safety brief, well, when was the last time you talked about an engine failure after takeoff? It could be on your PPF flight test. It could have been even before that. So it's important to have these things fresh in your mind because when they do happen, the workload goes so high that you won't have time to think about it. It needs to be sitting there 
in the back of your, now you mentioned, of your memory. You mentioned at the beginning of our chat, you know, that, that the, the landing, the, the, the number of incidents or accidents that have been in you know, over the COVID period or around that all come back to this landing phase. Were you able to extract anything from that? Yeah, so <clears throat> I spoke at the uh, Gasky meeting there a few weeks ago about this. And at that stage, I looked back at the last seven um, air accident reports. They all involved, I think all but one involved aircraft in the landing phase. Um, and actually this week, there's been another one published in the landing phase again. Um, and, you know, sadly, luckily no injuries, but uh, sadly involved the aircraft being written off. So why did they happen? Well... <clears throat> Anytime you do a landing, it's the longest time since you've last done a landing. So that's one way to look at it. But everything's happening at the same time. Um, you've got, um, you're descending, you're slow. Um, you're going to be most susceptible to, to wind gusts close to the ground, be it mechanical turbulence um, and other types of crosswinds and things like that. So there's a lot going on. The workload is high. And if it goes wrong, it tends to go wrong quite quickly. Um, so again, it comes back to this idea of threat and error management. If you know there's a crosswind, if you know the runway is short, if you know, you know, something, uh, you can anticipate it in advance mm. where, um, you know, if you don't stay ahead of the airplane, you're only a passenger effectively. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think not to comment on those accidents in particular, but certainly at the landing phase, you know, there's a tendency for the pilot to get a little bit behind the aircraft and sometimes they pull it off and that's just pure luck, but eventually, you know, that would catch up with you. Mm. And that, of course, decision that uh, pilots are sometimes a little reluctant to do, which is the go-around. Yeah, absolutely. Every approach should be to a go-around and mm. a landing is a bonus and that's a good way to look at it. So uh, never be afraid to go around and there's still a tendency to push on when an approach is unstable. And this whole idea of stabilised approach criteria has been in commercial aviation for years and mm. it's slowly filtering down into um, general aviation. And it's a really important aspect to think of. So if you're flying you know, on the desired approach path, within a few knots or miles per hour of your target speed and the correct landing configuration uh, and the runway is clear, you're much more likely to pull off a successful mm. landing. The statistics, if you look at the IA um, safety performance review that's published every year, we see that most of the accidents are involve something called abnormal runway contact. So that's, you know, a bounce with a runway excursion or something like that. The majority of them come from unstable approaches. So it's so that's the start of it, is to have mm. a stabilised approach. And if you're not stable, don't be afraid to, to throw it around. And you'll see even the most experienced pilots will occasionally mess it up and they just go around and it's important yeah. to do that. It's, again, there's something to be learned, I suppose, from the aviation, uh, the commercial side of things when, you know, when the first officer or pilot monitoring will say, you know, decide. Uh, and even if you said that to yourself, am I stable and am I deciding to continue? Yeah, absolutely. And in a lot of airlines, they've given a lot of authority to the, the pilot monitoring to make that call mm. because generally speaking, the pilot flying is under a lot more pressure. They're busy, busy. Mm. they're, they're task-saturated sometimes, particularly if it's a challenging approach. So coming from the outside, the pilot monitoring is given that task just to analyse the situation separately and ask, are we stable? Mm. And if not, then call the go-around. Mm. And that's you know has prevented a huge amount of runway excursions in the commercial mm. aviation world. So bringing that into general aviation, and now in a single pilot operation, it's a lot more challenging because mm. you don't have that external voice. But if you feel that you know things are getting busy, you're feeling the workload is getting high, maybe that's a sign that's to throw true. away the approach. True. And, go, and go around again and nobody will say boo. We'll be back with more after this short break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, on your, uh, you mentioned the, the Gasky evening and that you did a presentation. There was one slide, and we're going to try and do this, you know, on a podcast, but it's visual. And it was really captured my attention, which is this way, I think, they have of deciding currency. Uh, and you said it came from, what, from gliding, I think, originally. Yeah, so it's published by the British Gliding Association. Uh, it's called their, their Currency Barometer. Uh, so what they've done in this case, and they push it out to all their clubs, but it's equally applicable to, to single engine piston flying or any other flying you do in that in that area. So effectively, they've got three colours, uh, red, yellow, green. On the left-hand side, they've got the number of hours you've flown in the last year. And on the right-hand side, the number they have launches, but, you know, in our mm. case, takeoffs and mm. landings. And you basically draw a line from the number of hours you've done the last 12 months to the number of landings you've done the last 12 months and whatever colour that falls <laughs> into effectively tells you whether you're rusty or you're not as good as you think or okay you're current but you still need to watch out for a few things and interestingly when I was doing the research for that presentation I plotted the legal limits mm. onto it and the legal limits actually have you in the red zone so just by complying with the minimum legal requirements to keep a single engine piston rating current uh, means you are rusty. So by definition, you really need to be doing more flying than that. Mm. Um, so that's quite an important thing to think about. Yeah, and, and I think the challenge is, as you said, with an airplane starting up beside us now here, yeah. which is which is good, somebody's keep, keeping current, is that, as you say, the minimum requirements are not actually really going to keep you comfortable in your own right. Absolutely. You know, I would encourage pilots to get out and fly as much as possible. Mm. And worth noting that coming out of COVID, I think a lot of people are even less current than they have been in the mm. past um, because there was a long break. And for me personally, in, you know, 15 or 18 years of flying, it was the longest point I went without any flying, either privately or commercially. So, you know, I wasn't unique in that. It happened to a lot of other people as well. So, you know, I think it was reasonably well managed, the return to flying uh, in most operations. Um, but we did see a spike in accidents last year. There's, like, there's, and, and the AIU reports are coming out now. And I, I'm aware of, uh, I think there was already two accidents this year that involve uh, whole write-offs. So uh, it's something that as a community we really need to be aware of. And we really need to think about staying more current, practicing uh, more, and, uh, and, and try staying in the air a little bit longer. 
there is a tendency too, I think, for, for pilots, and maybe I'm just reflecting my own flying as well, for you to get into a kind of a rut of flying where you tend to do, you fly to the same place or you, you go out and you do a few circuits, whatever the case may be. You would probably suggest people should stretch themselves a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. It's like everything. And if you think back to your PPL, uh, you do lots of new stuff all the time. You're, doing, you're flying to new destinations, you're doing your qualifying cross-country. You always have a target in place there. Whereas when you get your PPL, sometimes you lose that target. And, you know, you, you might take off from Weston, as I did. You fly out to the West, you bring your friends and family flying, and then suddenly you're kind of not that as enthusiastic about it anymore and you don't do as much flying as as you plan so absolutely i'd encourage people to stretch their wings and and in fun fly aerosports uh, we brought in this uh, new award called the fun fly wings award and this is to try and encourage people to get out and fly more and we've done that by giving pilots targets to aim for so once you get your ppl you know, so the award is set out with a bronze silver and gold uh, level so you start off at bronze it's 100 hours of which 50 must be pic there's a cross-country qualification there slightly longer than the qualifying cross-country for the ppl and then there's an educational target so get a new rating uh, do something different and and the final one is to we have an aircraft taxing <laughs> this here we might then give we'll him a second go, yeah. Yeah, yeah and off he goes yeah, and the last bit is the uh, a safety uh, safety seminar of some description. So like the Gasky Safety Evening that was held recently, uh, Gasco holds similar evenings, and we're planning a few more fun fly over the summer as well, either in person or on Zoom. Yeah. So let's summarise then, I suppose, where we were taking people today. We were talking about skill fade. Um, the phrase sometimes also used, obviously, is rusty pilots. Um, and you're saying that the basic minimum requirements are fine, they're there, but you should be doing a little bit more. Yeah, and if you think about, you know, why did you get your license in the first place? You, mm. you got it to fly. Yeah, it's really important that you go out and use those skills. Uh, if you think back to your PPL flight test, you would never jump in an aircraft and attempt a flight test having not flown in 90 days. You would usually like to fly a week or two beforehand. So mm. if we treat that in the same way, then, you know, we should be flying, you know, a couple of times a month, ideally, if not more than that. And for anybody who's listening to us who's not in a club, who's you know private owner or in a group, what, what's your recommendation to, to, to them for, in terms of even just hooking up with an instructor? Yeah, find a friendly instructor. So there's plenty of clubs around um, the country. I think we've seen a bit of a resurgence in general aviation in the last few years with the kind of advent of more affordable aircraft, uh, certainly on the permit uh, side. And there's, there's lots of people that you know have done instructor ratings and may not actively instruct, but do instruct in a club environment, you know, a couple of times a month or something like that. There's plenty of friendly instructors out there. Give them a call, or you can always give us a call on Funfly. We'd be happy to help you out. All right, thanks for talking to us. Cheers, thank you. To get the news first, subscribe now to Squawk 7000 on your favourite podcast platform. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.